If you have your Bibles, turn uh, with me to John chapter 3, but I've got a question for you. If you were to die tonight, really, we're going to go there? If you're going to die tonight, would you know where you're going? Are you sure? Are you really sure? All right, well, we'll dig into that to make sure that you're sure today. It's interesting that um, I don't know if you, depending on how old you are talking about, thank you, Soraya, for the cheers uh, shout out, you know, uh, that was my era as well. But, you know, maybe even a little bit before my era, do you remember the nursery rhyme that we would, or the little prayer that we would say to your kids, now I lay me down to sleep, pray the Lord my soul to keep, if I die before I wake, pray the Lord my soul to take. That was very peaceful for those kids going to sleep that night, isn't it? It was just like, now, I, my little baby, boy or girl, if you don't wake up in the morning, we just pray that God looks after you, right? But I, it was a great way to keep your sins in short account, wasn't it? Right? That it was like every day is like confessing, like, I hope I'm going to heaven tonight if I die. Well, the question for us, if we were to die, would we know? But here we go. John 3, John chapter 3, we know the famous verse in John 3, 3.16, right? We, we see it at a football game where people are holding their signs up. And uh, we're going to go there today. So let, we're going to start looking at what, these are actually going to be Jesus' words in the chapter of John. But Here's the question for you. Is, is it a matter of whether you said the prayer that makes you go to heaven? Is it a matter that you've done good things that get you to heaven? Is it the right words? Is it the right actions? Is it how you've lived your life? Well, I've got some dilemmas. The first dilemma is we had the thief on the cross who obviously didn't do a lot of good things in his life. He was hanging on a cross, and he acknowledged who Jesus was. He says, you know what, to the other, the other thief on the cross, like, like, we deserve to be on the cross, but Jesus, he doesn't deserve it. And, today, and then Jesus said, today you'll be in paradise with me. So he didn't say the right words, and he definitely didn't have the right deeds. Then you have the rich young ruler who says, you know, I followed all of your commands all of my days. And then, and then he says, well, go sell everything and give it to the poor. And the rich, rich, rich young ruler went away sad. Went away sad. How, so obviously it wasn't just following the commands. It wasn't being faithful to the word of God. What about... These things, though, it says in Matthew chapter 7. It, well, let's read this for a second. Matthew chapter 7. We're going to get to John chapter 3. Don't you worry. Matthew chapter 7. I'm just setting the, the stage for us. I'm setting the, the banquet for us to chew on here. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say, you know this, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, 
and do many mighty works in your name. And then they, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Okay, so it's not about saying the right words. It's not about living just in an obedient life. It's not even doing a lot of good things in Jesus' name. And then we have this whole thing of the, you know, it's, we're not saved by our works. We're saved by grace. You know, so now do you know if you're really saved? Do you know that you're going to heaven? Did I just help you be more confident? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. All right. John chapter 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God. No one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Remember last week we talked about the miracles, water to wine. Jesus is continuing actually baptizing people at this point along with John the Baptist. And then Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, can you say born again? He cannot see the kingdom of God. So Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into a mother's womb when he, and be born? Nicodemus, he's kind of crazy to say, like, what? Right. You're going to crawl back into your mother's womb when you're already an adult? I don't think so, Jesus. And then he says, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Well, here's going to be the key for us. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. So we know, see, we can see the effects of the wind, right? We see this time of year when leaves fall off trees, trees and the wind begins to take them and swirl, right? We can see the wind. We don't always understand it. We don't really know what direction it's coming from always. And yet we see the evidence of it. And he's saying the same way, when you are born of the Spirit, you're going to see something different. You're going to see something change in your life. So this idea of being born again, being born of water and of spirit. Now, some would say the being born of water, we do know. That we've actually had a couple new babies in the church. And what happens is when you give birth, water breaks, right? So born of the water, maybe. We also might, might think that born of the water um, is being baptized. We talked about last week the, the symbolism that Jesus gave in the water into wine and understanding water represents repentance. And it's important for us to become aware of our sin. If we are not aware of our sin, we don't need, think we will need a Savior. But when we understand that our sin separates us from God and we cannot have, find our full purpose unless we're connected to our Creator, 
our loving Father in heaven, and only through Jesus Christ, the work he's done on the cross, gives us that ability to be connected to our Father. That's repentance. And then acceptance of what Jesus has done um, for us. So the work of the water. But remember, Nicodemus is a religious guy. He's a Pharisee. He's a Jew. He probably um, has a lot of history in understanding um, the, the law. So we would call that the Old Testament. And so maybe he was referring back to what was being said in Ezekiel, chapter 36, where it says this. Thirty-six, twelve, Or maybe not. Verse 25. 36-25. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all of your uncleanness. And from all of your idols I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Remember in the Old Covenant, the Old um, Testament, as you know, a lot of the rituals that were being done, the washing of water. Now today we we would say that's why water baptism, it doesn't save us being water baptized, but it does symbolize the decision that we made to follow Jesus, that we want to die to our old self, our old ways that we've been living apart from Jesus. We want to go into the waters and representing death of our old life and coming back up out of the waters in a new creation, the sense of being born again. He could have been talking, referencing Ezekiel, but unless you're born of water and of the Spirit, I would say any one of those would make sense. You can't, you have to first be born in this world, right, to be able to um, go on to eternity. Or you would have to say the importance of repentance is important to begin your journey acknowledging who Jesus is and needing a Savior. Or you can say, you know what, I've realized that my heart was pretty hardened to the things of God and, and I need a soft heart that I can humbly come before him and saying, I need you, God, in my life. So born of the water and then born of the Spirit. This idea of being born again. I've had the, um, I guess, honor to, to acknowledge people who are grieving, honor people's lives. We had a funeral on Monday. Dr. Lee passed away. He's one of our members of, of our church. Um, and then had the privilege of, of serving another family yesterday in a funeral. But one of the things that we realize is, is there's a scripture that talks about that we cannot move from this world to the next world in a mortal body. That we have to be born of spirit to live eternity united with God. Now, we're all eternal. We're all eternal, but whether or not, where do we go when we die, right? There's two options. There's either heaven or hell. Hell, we just know there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Heaven, there is wipes or tears away, and there's joy, and we're in the presence of God, and there's no more pain, there's no more suffering. You choose, right? But we come to this place of just saying, okay, how do we, born again is not this idea that we're, 
being actually born by flesh again, but it means that we got to be born of the Spirit. All right, hold that thought. We'll keep reading. John chapter 3. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things? Jesus answered um, him, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Jesus has given some smack back to him. Truly I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. In other words, Jesus is talking about it and, and yet there's something that hasn't um, highlighted for him yet in his own spirit. And I do believe that there's a scripture that says God draws men unto himself. And I believe there are people here today, men and women, by the way, that God draws people to himself. Now, his heart is that none should perish, so he's not going around the world picking and choosing who he wants to be in a relationship with. He wants to be in a relationship with all humanity. But there's something, a point in time where all of a sudden your heart starts beating fast and you start to acknowledge the need to be in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. This need to be born again, to be born of the Spirit that actually begins to change your heart. For those of you who have had that process, you know that something actually physically changes in you. Your desires change. And that's evidence and the assurance of your salvation. Remember, the wind blows, and we don't fully understand it, but yet it has a, an effect. Same with the Spirit of God. When He enters your life, when you accept Jesus in your life, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of you, marks you, saves you, but it will change you change you in such a way that will bring life to you, change you in such a way that will, that will take care of all of your shame of the, like, oh my word, I did that again, and I'm so ashamed of it. And he wipes that clean. He gives you a clean state, a fresh start. And here he is, it's like, do you not receive our testimony? If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? So again, he's saying that we can't always think about this just in earthly matters, right? We can't see heaven. The reality is we can read stories of people who have died and gone to heaven. We can't see it. We can't see the Holy Spirit. We can see evidence of the Holy Spirit, but we can't see the Holy Spirit. And yet, we have a hard time sometimes believing things in this world and let alone things that we don't see, but that's what faith is. And remember what we talked about, the difference between faith and trust a couple weeks ago? It's really important that faith is just not a belief, a head knowledge, but trusting in a person, trusting that what God says is true and right. This idea that we need to be born again, and we can be born again. Jesus' words. Okay, here we go. Verse 13. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descends from heaven like the Son of Man. Jesus talking about himself. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. It's interesting that Jesus is actually talking about Moses. Now remember Moses, I don't know which encounter he has about the snake, but remember when he was in the process of setting the Israelites free from Egypt, 
that he was like kind of being tested with sorcerers there, and he would he picked up a snake and it become a, became a rod. And another time, he actually had a rod that that actually then formed. He formed a snake around it, a bronze rod. And I believe it was the very um, rod that he had, staff that he had that allowed the the seed apart, but also, but also when the Israelites were in the desert and they were being um, tormented by all the um, snakes, that they said, whoever looks upon the staff that has a snake around it, who has been bit, will be healed. I love this imagery. And Jesus points out this imagery. Because I believe what he's saying, the person who actually looks at the Son of God, who has been bit by the poison of this world, who has really been destined to death by looking at Jesus, that you will have everlasting life. And it's not looking at, it's not just like gazing upon, but I think it's gazing upon acknowledging who he is and what he's doing and what he wants to accomplish in and through your life. I know I haven't answered some things super clear for you yet of whether or not if you were to die tonight, but I'm going to get there. Verse 16. For God, oh, we know this one. For God so loved the world. Can we all say this together? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life or everlasting life. John 3.16. So is that it, though? For God so loved the world. I, I, I like this. that It initiates it from God and his love. When he says the world is really for humanity, that he gave his only son, that's Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have an everlasting life. Okay, now I'm going to go back to the scripture that says even the demons believe. So is it just belief in itself that's going to save you? Well, obviously, those people who are doing all those miracles in Jesus' name, Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Praise Jesus to that. You know, some people who misunderstand and misrepresent God, they, they look at the bad things of the world and blame God for it. Completely wrong. Completely wrong. God does not condemn you. Your own sin will condemn you. Your own shortcomings will condemn you, but God himself doesn't. That's why he gave you his one and only son to set you free. That whoever believes in him will be, have eternal life, set you free. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. When people tell you that there's multiple ways, there's only one way. The only one way is Jesus Christ. There, there's not multiple ways. There's only one way, and it's through Jesus Christ, the only Son of God who proclaimed to be the Son of God, who, who God affirmed, who all of Old Testament always points back to who Jesus is, and then Jesus claims to be him, and then his death and resurrection proved that he was who he said he was. The only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. 
And the people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. God has given us free will. One of, the, one of the most beautiful gifts that he's given humanity is the ability to choose him or to reject him. You say, well, why is that a gift? Why wouldn't he just allow humanity just to, we wouldn't worry about sin, we wouldn't worry about, you know, choice, but that wouldn't be love. Love truly is about giving somebody else a choice to whether they accept it or reject it. True love is choice. And, uh, and so here God gave, them a ch- gave people a choice to either pursue their own fleshly desires that leads people into destruction or the choice to invite the Spirit of God, the light of the world, into our lives, invite him into our lives, and that will produce something. And that's what he says. And the works have been carried out in God. So, first of all, none can save themselves, right? It's only by the work of God in you that will save you. You can't, you can't do it on your own. The only thing you can do is say, I'm in need of a Savior. And you invite him into your life. That's the only thing that you do, and then God does the rest. Now, he goes on, and here's the solution. Here, here's how you're going to have confidence tonight when you're going to sleep. That if you were to die tonight, that you're going to be okay. So it goes on to say John the Baptist continues to baptize people. And at this point in time, John has a big following. Jesus is also baptizing people. And again, it's really important to understand that this whole idea of baptism is important in your spiritual journey. It doesn't save you. But it represents something. And then John... People are asking John, like, is there competition now between you and Jesus? Like, Jesus has a following, you have a following. And John says these words that that he realized who Jesus is, that he is the Messiah. He is who he says he is, and this is the word he says. He goes, I must, he must increase that I must decrease. When's the last time you woke up in the morning and you said, my life needs to decrease, and Jesus, you need to increase? Our world doesn't speak that way. Our world says it's about you, what's in it for you, how are you to live, how are you to increase, how are you to increase your status, how are you to increase your friendships, how are you to increase your livelihood, how are you to increase your retirement, how are you to increase your fill-in-the-blanks. Well, we a lot of times think about us and what we're trying to increase, and yet here I think it's a great model for us, like John the Baptist, who had a great following. He was like, no, 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 don't be looking at me. I want you to see Jesus. And, and can we do that in our lives and say, whoa, 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 don't, don't look at me. Let me point you to Jesus. Let me point you to Jesus. And then he go, goes on to says, um, 
whoever receives the, this is verse 33. Whoever, I've skipped a, probably four or five, actually 10 verses. You're going to read this on your own. But verse 33, whoever receives his testimony sets a seal on this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the word of God, for he gives the spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things unto his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Wait a second. Wrath of God remains on him. I thought God doesn't condemn the world. Do you, do you realize that God's nature is holiness? is like this force field of holiness. That when our sin without the shield of Jesus covering our lives, when it comes into this force field of holiness, of light and love, that that sin feels like wrath is coming on it because it's just so powerful. That love is so powerful. And it can feel like wrath. God is not, God, remember, God's love. And he doesn't condemn it, but his nature can feel like wrath for the person who doesn't have Jesus as the intermediary, who is the one who takes the place, who, who basically takes your sin. And so it's impossible to please God. In other words, impossible to come close to God without Jesus Christ who has taken the sin of the world upon himself on the cross conquered death and now when God when we receive Jesus into our life we have the fullness now here's the thing he gives you the spirit without measure I, I've been around circles I've been, a, I've been a Christian for a long time and I remember we used to like Oh, we just need more of the Spirit. More of the Spirit. Just more, more, more. This is, wait a second. I have the whole shebang. I don't need more. I think it needs to be like, I just need to decrease, and Jesus needs to increase. I need to decrease, and Jesus needs to increase, right? I think what it is is like, I need more obedience. I need more, like, I just need to, like, submit a little more. Like, I got the full package already. <laughs> I got it all. He gives us the spirit without measure. There's no like, you only get a little bit because you only deserve a little bit. And the other person, I'm going to give you a whole lot because you deserve a whole lot. No, because when we, when we ask for the spirit of God, when we ask Jesus into our life, he gives us the full measure. And that full measure gives us the assurance as we walk out this faith that will have evidence, by the way, that is like the wind that you can see a result. All right, how do we sum this up so you can go to bed tonight and sleep very soundly? And so when you say, Lord, I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I were to die before I wake, pray the Lord my soul to take. You will have confidence the Lord will take your soul. And here's what it is. It's not a mental belief. 
comes from your own inner being, your heart. I think that Jeremiah verse where he says he gives you a heart of flesh gives us a big cue and big key to that. You might make a decision in your head, but it, then it leads from your heart. I, and I'm going to ask this something of you. Y- you might not be sure of whether or not if you were to die tonight, you would know where you're going. And you're going to initially battle in your mind to saying, okay, what is he asking of me? And by the way, I'm not asking anything from you. I'm, I'm suggesting that God has something for you. <laughs> God has eternity in mind for you, a relationship with him. And so it starts here, starts here, a decision moves here to your heart. And that's your spirit responding to the spirit of God. And you'll know, you'll know that that when you receive Christ, because some of you might have said, you know, I've raised my hand, I've said the prayer, nothing seems changed, my life isn't any different, then I I I would question. I'd question whether or not that you have given your life to God. Because there will be a noticeable change in your life. And you know here, I I say often that our job is to help you get ready to meet Jesus face to face. I want to make sure that every single one of you in this room is ready to meet Jesus face to face. But it starts by saying, I need Jesus. And this believing, uh, this believing is not a mental believing. This believing is a trusting. Trusting in, in Jesus who is able and willing to take care of your sin, to take care of all of your shortcomings, and is able to get you to the place that God has your life to be, like the purpose of your life. He's able there's been a few things recently that have taken place in my life that, that God has shown up, and it's like, I, I, man, you really are who you say you are. I, I think sometimes, I, like, I know this. Mentally, you know it, but when he, when he shows up in those ways, it's like, yeah, oh, my, that is who you are. So can I have each one of you stand to your feet? I want you to just close your eyes for a moment. And the assurance that you are going to have is you're going to say, am I living my life acknowledging the fullness of the spirit that God has placed inside of me? that will make me want to obey his word, that, may, that will make me want to do good deeds and good works, that will allow the, the word to wash me, the, allow the Bible to bring life to me. And if you don't have those desires, ask the Lord to fill you. Ask the Lord to come into your life. Jesus, come into my life. I want to receive you. And he gives you the fullness of the Holy Spirit. 
not a measured portion, but the fullness. Jesus, thank you that you went on the cross, that you took my sin. I need you, Jesus, as my Savior. I can't do life on my own. I know that my sin separates me from God because of his great love and holiness. But Jesus, the work that you've done on the cross gives me freedom, assurance of my salvation, that I would be born again, born of the Spirit, not born of the flesh, not born of an intellectual thought, but a spiritual experience. I don't know if I've ever done this at Grace Capital Church. Keep your eyes closed if you wouldn't mind. I'm going to ask for those of you who have prayed that prayer. And maybe it's, a, it's a, an again time for you. Maybe it's like, I just need to seal this thing once and for all. Would you just make your way to the front? Just come and stand in the front. Maybe you just invited Jesus in your heart for the first time, or maybe it was like, you know what? I've said it mentally, but I've never really meant it in the inner core of my being. And you right now know that that this has been an important part. Just come up front right now. I know there's at least, at least 10 of you here. At least 10 of you here. So come right now. Just come right up to the front. It's going to do something inside of you. That, that when you make a declaration like this, thank you so much. Come right up here. Stand right here. Thank you. Come on up. God is doing a miracle in your heart right now. He's taking a heart of stone and he's making it a heart of flesh. He's working inside of you guys. You can stand right here. Yes. Yes. And you're realizing that God is just moving in and through you. I'm not going to ask anything of you guys, except you are made this motion to respond to this invitation. Okay. So Jesus, I am thankful for those people who responded. And by the way, there's two more people out there that are like, oh, I didn't come. I'm going to lose my chance. No, you come right now. Just come right now. Come right now. Come right now. Thank you. Jesus, you see these hearts. They have declared they want to be born again into a spiritual life, into this life with you, God. That they can go to sleep tonight with assurance that if they were to, their mortal bodies deceased tonight, that they would spend eternity with you in heaven. And that is glorious. And now, Jesus, the kingdom of God has come alive in them even today, and they are living out their salvation today. That Jesus, their spirit in full measure is filling and has filled each one of them. That, Lord, you are going to do a miracle in and through their life. They are Their thoughts will change. Their motives will change. Their hearts are changing. And Lord, you're going to illuminate the word of God to them. You're going to use them in special ways to bring others to you, Lord Jesus. So Father, I pray a blessing over each one who has responded to you this morning.
Thank you so much for watching us online. We're so glad that you joined us. We trust that Jesus has spoken to your heart and you've been challenged by his word. If you'd like to know more information about Grace Capital Church, please visit us at gccnh.com. We'll see you next time. Thank you.